for the reminder through the praise team today that you bled and died for our sins. We come to the end of the year and we haven't done all that you told us to do. In fact, you caught some of us red-handed this year. But here we are, covered with your blood, standing because of mercy and embracing you because of grace. Thank you for paying it all. Lord, it's preaching time. And we need now for you to do only what you can do. That's standing the preacher. Give me preaching power and preaching permission. This one more time. Would you open the ears of your hearers, the eyes of your seers, that we may know the more acceptable way. And then, oh God, choose to walk in it according to your faith and your, your grace. We need you now. Speak one more time. And we'll give you all the honor and the glory and the praise. And all God's people said amen, amen. and amen. How about Sister White and Sister Laura? Amen. They caught that tune. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Open your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. I want to welcome all of our, our visitors here today. Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Baptist Church. We are an expository teaching and preaching church. And that means we believe, preaching through, we believe in preaching through the entire book of the Bible. Books and chapters at a time. Comma by comma and line by line. And this morning we are in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and this is the last Sunday of the year and this is quite a passage how many of you remember the story of David and Goliath that's our passage today so we're going to talk about the chronicles of David and how to kill your Goliath anybody facing some giants this year we're going to teach you how to handle them this morning tell, you, pastor, tell, tell somebody pastor going to talk about killing today how to kill your giants. Amen. First Samuel 17, verse 40. Verse 40. Do you have it? Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beast of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, they're doing some trash talking right here. You come to me with a sword 
with a spear and with a javelin. But I came to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David harried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And he struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran, stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of his sheath, and killed him. And cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistine as far as the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road of Sharim, even as far as Gath and Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. They took everything in their house, amen. And David took the head of the Philistines. And brought it to Jerusalem. But he put his armor in his tent. Look at your neighbor next to you and tell him, neighbor. neighbor. Oh, neighbor. Oh, neighbor. This, morning, this morning, my pastor, my pastor wants, to to wants to talk to you about how to handle your giants, handle your giants. In, 2016. in 2016. Amen. You may be seated. New Beginnings, it's an amazing truth that life is filled with tremendous battles that the Christian must face. Sometimes in these battles we win and sometimes we suffer loss. Tonton, sometimes we get wounded, son, and other times we barely escape calamity. But it behooves the believer to understand that as long as we are in this mortal body, you're going to have some battles you got to face in the flesh and in the spirit. And since we are commissioned to do warfare, then we ought to prepare ourselves to be victorious in every fight. Reverend Tate, it's absolutely imperative that we never bow down to the enemy, but rather we defeat them at every turn. Y'all going to get a little attitude with me today? Tell somebody it's fighting time. I ain't losing no more battles to the enemy. 
this text today going to teach us how to get victory in the valley. It's going to show us how to defeat the enemy of our souls, and it's going to teach us to walk with confidence in a fallen world. Can I give you the background? When we meet David in this text, we see him in what we call is the biblical spotlight. David had come with food to Israel's encampment. His daddy sent him to go and check on the brothers who had been enlisted in a citizen army to fight against the Philistines. When he gets there, he finds the whole army is immobilized by fear. I said, I said they're prisoners of fear. Prisoners to a, a one-man army named Goliath. Goliath was prostrating himself and proclaiming that he would fight any man that Israel had in their army that wanted to go head up one-on-one. Y'all in here now? And this one man had a whole army paralyzed. Well, how did he do that? Well, the brother is said to have been 10 feet tall. He was a big man. And he had a whole armor suit on. He was nothing but a killing machine. And Goliath had challenged them to send out one person for single combat. But the text relates to us that all of Israel feared this giant's power. In other words, there was no soldier in all the land who had the courage to face or fight this giant. Can I say some more? Young David at this time has just been anointed king, as I talked to you about on last week. But he's still a teenager. And David being a teenager, yes, is one who had great faith and trust in God. So much so that he understood that no pagan defying the army of the living God had a chance at getting victory over God's people. Y'all in here? David knew, yes, that the Lord would deliver the man. That would accept Goliath's challenge. David knew that. But the rest of the army didn't. Then the text tells us, Reverend Brown, that when King Saul hears about David's bravado, he summons him to the king's tent. Because he now has a man who's willing to fight on behalf of the army. Stay in here with me just a little while. Now, Saul was the tallest man in Israel. He would have been closest to the height of Goliath. But even the king is a coward. Are y'all in here? And instead of the tallest man and the king of the land leading his people into battle, he shrinks back with fear. So God has to send the new king who's still just a kid. To come and handle a real king's business. Y'all in here? The first thing Saul does is tell him, man, you ain't nothing but a kid. You can't fight this this man. And David gives him his vita, his resume. And he tells him, when I was down in the woods, a bear came. 
and tried to take the sheep. But God handled him. A lion came. And, and God handled him too. And God will do the same to this Philistine. Y'all in here now? I'm catching you up to verse 40 where we're at. Then Saul decides, well, if he's crazy enough to fight, let me give him my armor. The Bible says that he went in the tent and tried to put it on. But it wasn't a fit. And David, yes, tells Saul, I can't fight with this. Because it's not for me. But David understood that if the Lord gave him victory over the bear and the lion, then the Lord could give him victory over the Philistine giant. Can I talk to you now? Now, there's three things in this text we're going to face or we're going to deal with to learn how to face our enemies in warfare. We can learn from David that there are three keys to being victorious in killing your giant. Number one, if you're going to kill your giants in 2016, you got to fight from familiarity. Fight from familiarity. Number two, if you're going to kill your giants, you got to be willing to face your foes. Number three, if you're going to kill your giants, you got to be willing to fight with faith. Y'all in here now? Let me unpack it for you and show you what I'm wrestling with. Fighting from familiarity. The text says in verse 40 that then he took his staff in his hand. The then is here for, here in the text, because Saul's armor didn't work. When his armor didn't work, then the Bible says he took his staff, David, stuff he was familiar with. Y'all see it right there? And he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in the man bag. The shepherd's bag, which was a pouch that he had. And he took his sling and he put them in his hand. And then he says, and then, or he drew near to the Philistine. Let me unpack it. Brother Ed, when we come to this text, we see a confident David. A confident David who is not afraid of the enemy. We see David, first of all, rejects Saul's advice and Saul's armor. And he chooses to fight with what is familiar to him. Y'all in here now? The text says he, after he rejected him, then he took his weapons of choice. Y'all see that there? And he chose, yeah, five familiar fighting things. First, he chose five smooth stones, stones from the brook. Historians say these stones were probably about the size of a tennis ball. They would have been weighty. And as a shepherd, David would have been known to use these to run off beasts that were trying to attack the flock from afar, which means he had practice with his weapons. See why you need Bible study? You got to get practice with your weapon. Am I making sense there? And not, not, not only that, but he took his slingshot. 
his shepherd's bag. He, he had a certain way he carried it. And so he was asked, or he had access to using it and was good at it. But I see two other weapons in here that's not listed. Can I give them to you? Number one, he took with him his faith in Yahweh. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? What do you mean? He had a track record of testing God in the midst of warfare. And not only that, not only did he take faith in Yahweh, but he took with him the record of God's faithfulness. <laughs> you need that if you're going to fight giants in 2016. You've got to have a track record of God bringing you through a fight before. You've got to be able to go back and recall you believe without a shadow of a doubt that that giant was going to fall. Am I in here now? And as a result, David was familiar with his staff, with his stones, with his slings, and with the testimony of the Lord. Familiar with Yahweh. The day David has, yeah, he's been in battle before. And he's tried God in the heat of warfare. Again, I told you he defeated a bear, defeated a lion, and he was familiar with this stuff. Then the text says, and then when he got his stuff, he drew near yeah. to the Philistine. Yes, Are you listening here? Yeah. Come on, lean in. He didn't go to the enemy unarmed. Wow. Like Waited till he had his weapons together. Mm -hmm. If you look closely, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look closely at the text, I think you'll agree with me that David doesn't take much into the battle. He doesn't have an armor bearer. He doesn't have a shield, helmets, swords, spears, javelins. He don't take much into the fight. What do you mean, Reverend? He, he travels lightly into the battle. But he travels with confidence in what he knows. David, watch this now. When we come to this text, Courtney Darter, he's been discouraged to fight by Saul, told him, you're just a boy. You can't whip that giant. His brothers earlier in the text said, go home. You just came down here to be nosy, to see the fight. He's discouraged by them. He's discouraged by Israel. Nobody believes he can win this fight but himself. We see in David, yes, he's persuaded that the Lord is greater than this Goliath. He's persuaded that the Lord can handle Goliath. He's persuaded that the battle is not his, but it's the Lord's. And because of these tools, because of the things he's familiar with, God is near him. And David can draw near to the Philistine. I wrote myself a note here, brothers and sisters, that he travels with the same weapons he's always fight with, fought with. And that's, um, which means, Reverend Gray, that he's fighting from the position of familiarity. When I look at what David has to work with, I'm in awe. I'm in awe of it. What do you mean, Pastor? See, they are weapons of humility. No, no bona fide soldier going into a battle with a slingshot. 
These are poor man's weapons. They're, they're weapons of faith. They're weapons of assurance. They're weapons of accuracy. Weapons of dependability and reliability. They are weapons from the book of life. And David has a track record of counting on and depending on God to bring him through. Here's what I'm trying to say, family. As you get ready in 2016 to face your giants, we need to take a page from David's life. We, we only need to take with us what we need in the battle. We only need to take with us what will make us rely on God. We only need to take that which will give God the honor and the glory. See, only walk by faith and not by sight. Mm -hmm. Only go into the battle if you are familiar with how the Lord works. Yeah. Ah, good, Am I making some sense? Yes, the family, don't fight your battles this year with a whole lot of other stuff. Mm. Oh, only use what you need right. and what will make you lean and depend on the Lord. Yeah. Are you with me here? Let me call roll. Prayer yeah. is what you need for the battle. Can, can I tell you to spend some more time praying this year? Confidence will help you in your battle this year. Shake off that thing that makes you doubt everything the Lord says. Faith is what you need in the battle this year. Can I, can I tell you that's powerful? Faith that you can whoop it no matter how big it is. The word of God is what you need to fight in this battle. And then being familiar with God, yeah, will breed all of the above in the time of need. Somebody going to face cancer this year. But you need to know that your God is bigger than cancer. Can I talk to you? Somebody going to get terminated from a job this year. But you need to know Jehovah Jireh. The Lord who provides. Somebody going to die this year. But you need to know to be absent from the body. Is to be present with the Lord. Somebody going to struggle with depression this year. But you need to know as long as my mind is stayed on Jesus. I can get through anything that come my way. Come on in here. Lean in here. Trying to help you get ready for the fight of your life. Somebody getting ready to go through it this year. You need to know how to face your giant when he knocks at your door. You ain't going to have time to run and grab your crew. You ain't going to have time to let me post it on Instagram or Facebook to get a few prayers. You got to know what to do when the enemy come after you. Ask your neighbor, do you know? Do you know what to do? Do you know? Not only will you have to fight from familiarity, those weapons that are familiar to you, but you're going to have to face your foes. Tell your neighbor, ain't no running this year. Ain't no running. I ain't running. I ain't running. I ain't running. I ain't running. No, some of us runners, we got track shoes on now. Amen. You've been running since 2012, amen. Enemy come, you run, amen. He got you in fear like he got all the rest of the Israelites. 
How do we deal with him? Well, you got to face him. You got to face your foes. Look at verse 41 through 44 with me. The text says, so the Philistine came. David came to him first. And he began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. So Goliath has an armor bearer, right? And he goes before him. So David's really facing two, plus the army of the Philistine. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog, man, that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me, and I'm going to give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Let me unpack this right here. When we come to this portion of the text, Reverend Wilson, we see Goliath drawing near to confront David. And his armor bearer is present with him. What we're looking at is David as a soldier has to face his enemy. Y'all in here? He, he can't whoop him by running from him. I just said something to somebody. You're trying to fix an enemy problem by running. Thinking if you run, he ain't going to chase. You got to stop running sometime. No, no, y'all didn't hear me. Y'all didn't hear me. Who am I talking to this morning? Somebody, you running from something that's pursuing you. And in order to defeat it, you got to face it. Somebody facing a childhood episode. Some abuse that happened way back when. And you old and almost gray. You still running from dealing with the thing that's been pursuing you. It's time in 2016 to face that foe. And deal with it. Y'all in here? What we see here, what we see secondly in this text is that David, yeah, when Goliath sees David's size, it infuriates him. And, and in his head, he begins to get despised. And he curses David in the name of, his, of the Philistine. In other words, Goliath is upset that David is so small, but he's standing up to him. And you're going to do the same to your enemy as soon as you get a little backbone. It's going to infuriate the one, here it is, who's been punking you all this time. Tell somebody, I ain't getting punked no more. I ain't punked no more. But what we also see in this text that's powerful, Goliath is running his mouth, Tina. But David has got to ignore his foolish rhetoric and keep his faith and trust in the Lord and not be distracted or antagonized by Goliath's war chat. What do you mean? Goliath is just trying to threaten David with intimidation. Goliath is trying to frighten him with words. Goliath is trying to discourage him by his size and his demeanor. Yeah. 
Don't you know, family, that the enemies of your soul, they'll also try to intimidate you in the battle? Can I, can I talk right here? Speedy, I've learned that they'll try to flex on you just like Goliath. Anybody ever had a bully on your, come on, that they'll try to yell loud like Goliath. They'll try to come with you with resources with other people. They're armor bearers, yeah? That they'll try to call you everything but a child of God. They'll try and overshadow you with fear, just like Goliath. They'll try to look at you with disdain because your appearance doesn't look like much. Just like Goliath. I myself a question here. Is there anybody here? Has ever been flexed on by your own flesh? Come on, don't play church with me. You know how your flex flex on you? Make you misbehave when you don't want to misbehave? Draw you into something that you swore you weren't going to get back into? My flesh the only one to do that, huh? The flesh will make you, yeah, forget you forgot how to cuss. And bring some new words to your vocabulary. The flesh, yeah, y'all, y'all, okay, all right, all right, all right. Is there anybody here that's ever had the devil to front on you before? Is there anybody here that's ever been threatened by the world? And you got to be like David in the valley and face your foes. Don't let them flex on you. Don't let them try to put fear in you. We've got to be prepared to do what David was prepared to do. Listen, we shouldn't be afraid of the enemy, but rather we should expect them to front on us, Take. We should expect the world to flush on us, to cuss us, to yell, to push up against us and try to imitate us. Can I pause the car right there? But Preston, we can't be afraid of ISIS. The devil's crew trying to flex on the church. We got to the point where we're fearful about everything. We won't fly. We ain't going to missions. We ain't going to give. Why? Because the world inflexed on you. And got you afraid when you walking with the one who got all power. We done got afraid of fools like Donald Trump. I don't care about you being Republican. I don't care about you being Democrat. Don't let the world flex on the church. Y'all in here? You can't let people front you and keep you in fear or you will never be the giant killer God made you to be. God made David a giant killer. What has he made you? Can't be afraid of the enemy trying to push up on you. You know, the, the enemy of greed. You know, if you put that money in church, we ain't going to make it. And you get afraid. And don't obey God. God put something on your heart a long time ago to go somewhere and do something great for his name. But you too afraid how I'm going to make it when I get there. 
fear has you locked like Goliath had Israel locked. And you're afraid to stand up and face your giants. What kind of believer are you going to be? Fear got the husband in his home afraid to lead and be the man. So you follow what she tell you to do and what God tell you to do. Fear got the woman afraid of letting the husband lead. So you want to be in control and make decisions on everything without considering God keeping your family in bondage. Better get some act right and slay that giant. Y'all don't feel me in here. I feel my help up here today. I might just go crazy. I ain't responsible for what I do today. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You got to stand your ground. Face your foes. And don't shrink back in the battle. Why? The battle ain't yours. It's the Lord's. Okay. When you face your foes, yeah, you're going to have to deal with the thing they've got you paralyzed about. When you decide I'm going to fight my battles, then this is what comes with it. When you declare no giant is going to defeat me, then this is what's going to come with it. See, you can't have a victory where there's never been a confrontation. You can't have a victory where there's never been a confrontation. The fact that there's a confrontation is evidence that there's an enemy in the camp. Husbands and wives ain't got no business fighting. Come on in here. When a fight breaks out in a marriage, an enemy then slipped in. You just got to identify what enemy it is. Is it the flesh? Is it the world? Or is it the devil? And once you identify, get your weapon. Am I making sense here? And when, if y'all get on the same accord, and you recognize an enemy that got up in here, and y'all both got slingshots, oh, it's a wrap. That's how you walk in 2016. Come on in here, y'all. Boy, y'all cool today. Y'all too cool to me. Look, look. You, you know you can't have an enemy where there's no conflict. In order to do what the Lord has called you to do, you got to stand up to your enemy. Watch this. And you got to engage them face to face. You know you can't fight your enemy from afar? You got to face him. And you got to get in position. As they say in the hood, you got to man up, man. Sisters, you got to man up too. If you're going to be victorious, and you're going to deal with the enemies that tries to lock you in a headlock and paralyze you. Are you with me here? Well, not only do you have to fight from familiarity, not only do you have to face your foes, but you got to fight with faith. Y'all in here? Y'all mighty quiet. What is it? Is the heat too hot? The heat is up. All right. Thank you, Sister McBee. I'm, I'm wondering, is this my church? Hello. 
Look at verse 45. The text says, after Goliath ran his mouth, then David said to the Philistine, he talking to his enemy, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I came to you in the name huh, of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Is that a man of authority? Look what else he said. This day, the Lord is going to deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I'm going to give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines. He's talking to the rest of them now. To the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth, somebody say all of it. May know that there is a God in Israel. And then all the assembly shall know that the Lord don't save with a sword and a spear. But the Lord, yeah, is the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. Can I work right here? When we come to this portion of the text, we see David unafraid. Y'all see that right there? To face Goliath. Or he was unafraid to fight with him. Size didn't matter. Oh, I just said something right there. Didn't matter how big the enemy was. David had a swag about what he believed. He don't, he don't shrink back in fear. Because Goliath is taller than him. Is his circumstances real? Yeah. Is Goliath a real deal? Yeah. But David's got faith in God. Come on, talk to me. And God has gave him confidence to stand in the face of his enemy and hold his ground. Look, he believes, he believes this, David does, that God's going to deliver Goliath into his hand. Yeah, yeah, he believes it. Because God had already done it before. David had a track record of watching God come through. Can I pause the car right there and get back to If you ain't got a track record of God ever doing something, then you probably are naturally going to run. But if you've seen him whoop something bigger than you before, you ought to pack that away and tuck it away for the next fight. Am I making sense here? David believes that Goliath comes to him with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. But David came to Goliath, yeah, in the name of the Lord. When you go to your enemy in the name of the Lord, you know the fight is fixed. I'm going to knock you out in the name of Jesus, fool. I'm talking to somebody in here. Somebody ought to be tired of getting your butt kicked by now. Somebody ought to be tired of giving in to dope right by now. Somebody ought to be tired of falling off the wagon by now. Somebody ought to be tired of poverty kicking your butt by now. Somebody ought to be tired of injustice always on your doorstep by now. Somebody ought to be tired of running from your own self in the mirror by now. 
living in our woulda, coulda, shouldas. In prison to your own self. I would marry her, but I ain't got the money. I would marry him, but I ain't quite sure. I would trust God and go back to school, but I, I woulda, coulda, shoulda. Enemy all at your door. You can't move without the enemy seeing you. This ain't in my text, but sometimes you your own Goliath. Can't get the victory for yourself because yourself is causing a problem. You don't catch that on the way home. David understood that the battle was the Lord's. It wasn't even his. David understood that Goliath was no match for God. Okay, all right. David understood that Goliath had called the Lord out to fight when he, when he came up on God's people. Y'all in here? David understood that this battle was fixed because you can't challenge God and think you're going to win. Did that make sense, y'all? You can't challenge God's people and think that the Lord won't provide for them. <laughs> you can't challenge God's kids and think that daddy won't come to the rescue. I wish you would run up on one of my sons. You're going to see Reverend Daddy come, come alive. I wish you would run up on a new beginner. You're going to see a pastor you ain't never seen before. A real pastor with a real rod. Come on, talk to me. I believe in protecting the sheep. And somebody ought to say bad right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. David came ready to fight the fight of faith. David came ready to fight with power. David came ready to fight with confidence. David had his mind on the Lord and the Lord on his mind. And ain't no way you're going to beat a, a soldier like that who go into the battle knowing that God's and already whooped you. Where are my Christians at? Where are my Christians at? You got to go in 2016 with some confidence about who God is and what God could do. I don't care what they saying on BET. I don't care what they saying on CNN or Fox News about the church. They don't know who the church is, but let them run up on this member of the church. You're going to see with confidence who God is. Can I park the car and wallow right here? The world ought to tremble when she talks about the church. Because if we ever went down on our knees and summons the God of heaven and earth to do something to the wickedness in humanity, they see a side of Yahweh they've never seen before. Am I talking to you here? And God is just waiting for some soldiers to stand up with some gumption with some faith in their back to proclaim that he's the Lord of heaven and earth. And when you call out the army of the 
you calling out the living God of the army. Is there anybody here ever lost a battle when you fought in the name of the Lord? No, ain't nobody. No. Tell me something. Who can whoop the Lord when he's waged war against you? Who can stand victorious when God is your enemy? Who can name me one man that's went one round with God and stood to live about it? Who can name me one woman who can stand toe-to-toe with the God of heaven and earth? Then who's the fool who thinks they can box with our God? Well, where's the lunatic? That thinks they have a chance to whoop God's people. David understands that Goliath is a fool. And that he's chosen to die. Because he's defied the armies of the living God. Oh, new beginnings. You don't know who you are. And that's why you can't stand up to your enemies. Not only do you not know who you are. You don't really understand the divine relationship. That you have with the God of heaven and earth. You are walking around in his image. With his spirit. Commissioned with his power. People should fear running up on you. Your enemy. Should think twice. About confronting you. But if you don't know who you are. They going to keep on punking you. If you don't know who you are, cocaine going to keep on kicking your butt. If you don't know who you are, alcohol and weed and lust and greed and negativism is going to keep on wrecking your world. Because you haven't said to the enemy who you are. Are you tired of living in bondage? Tired of coming in here convicted every week? Then find out who you are. And who God has made you to be. And then declare it to the one who keeps lying to you about your identity. See, the problem ain't that you like gambling. The problem is somebody told you you're a gambler. And as a result, you can't shake it, so you just go with it. Yeah. Then when you get through, you sick, you messed up, you jacked up, you threw away the money, and you convicted, and you grieved, and you just got to live like that. Yeah. And all you had to do was tell the one whispering in your ear, that ain't me. I'm a child of the living God. Yeah. Let me get on to my conclusion. I didn't lost half y'all. I'm going to land the plane. I'm going to land the plane, but I feel a little turbulent, so keep your seatbelt on. The Bible says in verse 48, so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried. Somebody say he was in a rush. I like that right there. And Brother Darius, he didn't wait on the enemy to come to him. He ran up on the enemy. That, that, that's a believer right there. 
Then, then David, as he was running, stuck his hand in the bag. Y'all see that right there? He's sprinting, y'all, and he reaches into the bag and he slips a stone in there. And as he's running, y'all with me here? He slings the stone. And the spirit of the living God drove that thing right into the forehead of the enemy. Let me unpack it. When we come to this portion of the text, we see several things happening for the reader. Number one, we learned this on last week, that God had filled David with his spirit and with his power. Right? Number two, we learned that the Lord's spirit in David is fearless when it comes to his foes. Number three, we learn, we see him with incredible face, uh, face a 10-foot giant that every man in Israel was afraid to fight. Number four, we see David kill the giant, watch this now, with a shepherd's tools. And furthermore, we discover that David really killed Goliath, watch this now, because this got me, because Goliath committed a capital crime. By insulting and blaspheming the God of Israel. What do you mean? See, according to the Torah, any individual, whether a Jew or non-Jew, that blasphemed God, yeah, was literally up for stoning. So David had enough righteousness in him. To know that not only have you offended my people, but you've cursed my God, and you got to die. Oh, I like that. Come on in here. Come on in here. I wish we had some Davids in this house. Some people that's offended with gangster rap. Some people that's offended with hard-head commentators that want to curse the living God of heaven and earth. We need some Davids that's got something to say when somebody says something about your God. Got too many quiet Christians in the church today. Too many passive Christians. I'm not pacifist. Are y'all with me here? No. I believe in passing some things along, but there's some things you just ain't going to do in my presence. Why? Because I'm going to check it when I see it. Number one, you can't curse my God and it be okay with me. You can't come in his church and cuss his church and it be okay with me. You can't mess with the flock of new beginnings and it be okay with me. No, 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 no. Why? Because I've got a conviction about the God I serve. I got a conviction about the people I love. I got a conviction about preaching this gospel. That's why I don't play with it. Am I talking to you here? Well, David, in all of his gumption, runs full staying ahead, whirls that slingshot, and lets it go. And the Bible says that the rock hit its mark. Dead smart in the forehead. Killed him dead. 
I like what the, the, the text says, the rock sank into his head. It didn't knock him across the head. It, it sank into his head, which means that thing the size of a tennis ball was right there. God did that. And he did it through a little shepherd boy who was convicted about who Yahweh was. Who wasn't afraid to stand alone when the whole country was in a fear. Are you listening to me? God is looking for some Davids today that's not afraid to stand alone. That's not afraid to contend for the faith. Didn't I tell you last week, you can't be no sissy and be a Christian. Your convictions will cause you to have to stand alone. Are you with me here? Only cowards blend into the crowd. Cowards try to look like the world and be in the church. You're doing that because you're afraid to stand out. It's more comfortable to blend in. So when you blend in, we can't even ask you to pray because you're too shy to do it. Can't ask you to bring a Bible because you left it at home on the coffee table. Can't put you on no committee in the church because you don't get along with everybody. You're a coward. Because you'd rather be more like the world than in with the church. But if you're going to be in with the church, you got to stand alone. You got to go against the armies of the world. Hey, this ain't in my notes. But be ready to slang with the best of them. Well, as we land the plane. Reverend Tong, we see that David was a giant killer. What a resume. And we must be giant killers too. In 2016, Sister Wilson, we got to be able to defeat the giants of our flesh in this new year. What do you mean, Doc? We must be able to kill their cravings. We must be able to kill their urges. We must be able to kill, Brother Dixon, the desire to sin against God. I lost some of y'all. Here we go. Here we go. Brother Will, we must be willing to slaughter the adulterous invite. We must be willing to slaughter the fornication foe. We must slaughter the sinful seductionist. I'm talking about our fleshly desires. We must slay, here it is, watch out now, slay the giants of gossip. Slay the giants of backbiting. Slay the giants of bitterness, wrath, hatred, envy, jealousy, negativity, and evil thinking because they come to destroy you. If you can't say amen, you must be doing something. Because David was victorious, 
because he was victorious, this one victory, look what it did, opened up the way for all of Israel yes, to now run the Philistines out of town. Y'all catch that? In other words, one man's victory set a whole community on fire to be victorious. One man's victory encouraged a whole army to take out their enemies. One man's victory mobilized a whole nation. One man's victory, say, empowered cowards. One man's victory boosted people who were afraid to fight. One man's victory created a revival for a whole country. David killed Goliath and then cut off his head, Armstrong, as a trophy. Can I deal with that? Can I tell you that every time God gives you a victory, you need to collect the trophy? Why, Pastor? Because the trophy is a reminder of what the Lord did through you. The trophy is a reminder that those who know that God can do great things, he often does it through insignificant people. The trophy is a reminder that if it had not been for the Lord on your side, you would have been defeated, Deborah. So every time you whoop the flesh, daughter, celebrate by giving God the glory. Reverend Tom, every time we escape temptation, we need to celebrate having the power of the Lord on our side. Am I right right there? Every time you defeat your fallen nature and you don't give in to his invites, you need to dance for a minute and give God the glory. Look, look, when the devil flees from you because you resisted him, you need to tell somebody and show them your trophy. David's victory, yeah, will become a witness to the world of who God was. He had cut the head off and he kept it. And it was his testimony of how he overcame. Isn't that something? I wonder what was going through that camp's mind when that little shepherd boy came up the hill like this. With that greatest fear in his hand. What that must have been like. See this little insignificant fellow take out the thing that had them paralyzed with fish. Am I talking to you now? Listen, y'all, listen, listen, listen. David's victory over Goliath revealed the power, here it is, McBride, that a man could possess if he believed in God. That's what that was. Dave, yeah, thank you, Lord. David's victory over Goliath revealed that I'm the kind of man who has a heart after God. And when you got a heart after God, can't no giant keep you down. Amen. 
All I'm trying to tell you is what John said in 1 John 5 and 4. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Paul said too, you are more than a conqueror. Am I making sense here? Why did these Bible guys get it and we struggle? They were men and women just like us. Same passions. No different. But they get it and we struggle to get it. Well, I got to leave you now. But this little shepherd boy was a picture of another shepherd to come. Yeah, he's a type of Christ in the Old Testament. David was so much like Jesus, they were both born in Bethlehem. Can I call Ro? They both had to fight battles with men. They both served as kings. And they were both considered to be saviors of a nation. But there is one difference. Jesus was greater than David. See, David's kingdom would come to an end on earth. But Jesus' kingdom has no end. David's kingdom would be filled with brick and mortar. But Jesus' kingdom would be filled with the spirits of men. As a conquering king, Jesus walked on earth and healed the blind. David never did that, Zuniga. As a conquering king, Jesus cured diseases, Greer. But David, he never did that. As a conquering king, Jesus would cast out devils. But David, he never did that. As a conquering king, Jesus would lay down his life. For the sins of the world. But David. He never did that. As a conquering king. Jesus was the lamb of God. Who shed his precious blood. On the altar for our souls. But David. He never did that. Jesus. Died as a king. Defeated hell as a king. Rose again. As a king. Sitting at the right hand of God. Right now, make an intercession as a king. He's going to return to earth one day as a king. He's ruling the universe right now as a king. And as the youth department said, long live the king. I don't know about you or I don't know about David. But I'm willing to fight today for my king. I'm going to face my giants this year in the name of the king. I'm going to defeat fear this year in the name of my king. I'm going to defeat procrastination this year in the name of my king. I'm going to defeat the carnal nature this year in the name of my king. I'm going to step over laziness in the name of my king. I'm going to fight off jealousy in the name of my king. I'm going to whoop selfishness in the name of my king. I'm going to slay negativity in the name of my king. I'm going to defeat mediocrity in the name of my king. I'm going to defeat the enemy of my ministry in the name of my king. Why? Because the king lives in me and I live in him. 
why am I have such courage? Because the king is my big brother. That's why I serve my king. This year, the king will live in me and guarantee victory over those that oppose me. The king is my savior. Long live the king. The king is my helper. Long live the king. The king is my source of life. Long live the king. The king has called me, commissioned me, charged me, commanded me, completed me, counseled me, convicted me, connected me, convinced me, converted me, compelled me, collaborated with me, he chose me, commandeered me, co-opted me, committed me to this great gospel. Long live the king. I'm glad he's my king. I'm so glad the king's on my side. I'm not a pauper. I'm not a fool, but I'm a child of the king. Oh yes, I am. My days of being afraid are over. Who can dwell on the soul of the child of God that loves the Lord, who heard his cry? Who can do the unspeakable things to the child of God who believes in his glory? I'm a child whose daddy lives on high, who walks right, who talks right, who has confidence in my father. I'm a child of the most high God. Say goodbye to the fears of this world. Say goodbye to the enemies of your soul. I won't fear the carnal nature. I won't fear a lazy mindset. I won't fear jealousy in the heart. I won't fear selfishness in my mind. I won't fear negativity, mediocrity. I won't fear procrastination. I've got God on my side. Yes, I do. Is there anybody here gonna fight in 2016? Is there anybody here gonna keep fighting when the enemy shows up? I'll throw my stone right for the enemy's head. Oh, yes, I will. I'm closing now, but the land is filled with all kind of enemies. Enemies on the left and enemies on the right. Enemies in the rear and enemies on my side. But I've got God on my side. Yes, I do. I'm going to slay the enemies all around me with faith, with prayer, with the word of God. I heard Paul say, 
If I put on the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth have shoes prepared for the preaching of the gospel and the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. I'll be all right. Yes. Oh, yes, I will. No more running from a foolish enemy. No more hiding in the stuff. No more running for cover. No more missing any assignments. I've got power. Power. Wonder working through. Power. To stand in the midst of my enemy, stand in the heat of the battle, stand and get victory. And oh, yeah, as I take my seat this year, I'm gonna collect some trophies of how he's been good, how he's been good, how he brought me out without a doubt at the end of next year want you to come to my house and see my trophy case i'm gonna show you how god can use an insignificant person oh yes he can yes he can say yeah say yeah say yeah oh god give the lord some praise why you can hallelujah hallelujah i know it ain't new year's eve but i feel like counting down i said i know it ain't new year's eve but i feel like counting down can i give you 10 reasons why we ought to worship him in 2016 can i do it can i do it can i do it Ten, he's been good. Nine, he's been better to me than I've been to myself. Eight, he's a bridge over troubled water. Seven, he's bright when I'm hungry. Six, he's water when I'm thirsty. Five, he's grandma walking cane. He's a way out of nowhere. Three, he's the truth, and I love the truth. Two, he's the great I am. And one, he's Emmanuel, God with us. That's my ten reasons why I'll bless his name. That's my ten reasons why I'll fight in his stead. That's my ten reasons why I'll live and not die. Ain't God all right? Ain't God all right? Do you have ten? Do you have ten? Do you have ten? Is there anybody here got ten reasons why you can praise his name? Won't you help me then? Shake ten people's hands. Say, I got my ten, neighbor. Where's your ten? Where's your ten? There's power. Wonder working power. Power. Oh, yeah. 
power, power, wonder.